Hi, everybody. This is Chris Sarandon. Welcome to Fright Night Minute for real. Welcome to Fright Night. <laughs> oh. Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night. One minute at a time. I'm Robin. And I'm Len. And I'm Peter Vincent. No, I'm Lee Tobolasco. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, And this is Minute 74 of Fright Night. It begins with Amy dropping her top and ends with uh, moaning and sucking. unclasped her dress and now she's let it fall and uh, yeah Jerry just kind of takes a moment here you know just taking in the sight of her how beautiful she is mm-hmm. savoring his his uh, triumph if you will yeah yeah well yeah. Uh, according to trivia, Amanda Bierce was uncomfortable being topless in front of the crew, so she covered her breasts with duct tape what 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 I would never put anything... I would not put duct tape across such sensitive things as my nipples. Yeah, but she doesn't no. have as much hair yeah. as you do. Well, I would still, it's the nipples themselves, I mean, you know, like it's, you know... You never had to wear a Band-Aid over your nipple or anything from oh, chafing? Uh, or? Only when I jog. <laughs> yeah, but you know, a Band-Aid sticky is a lot less sticky than duct tape. Yeah. Duct tape is, that is true. I mean, that's brutal. And they sell pasties that are, like, nude-colored. She could... Wow, Amanda, seriously. <laughs> yes. She's a trooper, I, I wouldn't do that if someone asked me. I'd be like, hell no. That's funny. I, the, you know, and, and I wonder how much of that was her own choice. Speaking of all of Amy's choice, like, how much was Amanda's choice? Like, they're, they're, she's like, I need something to cover up with. What do we got? And the crew's just like, I don't know. We got duct tape. <laughs> we got some gaffer tape over here. <laughs> and, you know, and this is, it's funny that you went right to pasties because I was immediately, like, thinking of household items, like, I don't know, like saran wrap, aluminum foil, like, stuff that won't, like, rip your nipples off when you pull up. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a million choices. That's why when you say that, I'm just like, oh, dear God, that's okay. Oh, yeah, sure. God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Amy uh, seems to appreciate his tenderness, so she kisses him, which is cool. Hey. Do you remember your first kiss? My first kiss? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know there was a, 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 a close kiss when... Um, uh, I was asking my friend's girlfriend, like, saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to probably be dating a girl soon, so I need you to show me how to kiss. And she was just like, I don't know, Robin. I don't think that's a good idea. And I was like, All right, I just figured I'd try. Um, to my first kiss, uh, actually, you know what? It's been such a long time. Um, Not sure. I don't even know if I remember. Mm. I remember the moment. That's funny. My Uncle Jeff. Well, your Uncle Jeff. What? <laughs> Wait a second. What? Exactly. I was just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> no, nah, I was in sixth he grade. The duct tape there was a girl yeah. on the playground came up and kissed me. And oh, sixth grade? Sixth grade, yeah. Wow. Aww. 
I mean, I'm sure. And that's sure in high school. That was your first like peck kiss, like, or was it like a serious kiss? No, that's sixth grade. I mean, like, no, it was a serious kiss. I'm sure I'd been pecked as a, you know, <laughs> the bread fidels yeah. were fired up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember my first, uh, my first peck. I'm sure there okay. were several. No, this is the first like tongue and mouth, like holy cow. Okay, gotcha, holy gotcha. Cow. Well, I guess we'll go to you, Lena. Do you remember? <laughs> I do actually. I uh, I I was I never really had that much luck with the girls most of my life until um, I got to college and and my first kiss didn't come until high school and it was my sophomore year and I was dating a girl who is now an author. Her name is Maria and um, we had been dating for a little while and. She knew I was super like shy and reticent, and we were saying good night one night. I went to a boarding school, so we we had a curfew. We had to be inside our dorms at 10 p.m. and uh, it was like five minutes until sign in. You signed in to check in and say that you were there. And I was saying good night, and I, you know she kept lingering and she kept lingering, and she finally. Um, it was on the back stairs of the ladies' dorm. She was standing on a stair, like, or two above me because she was, like, six or seven inches shorter than me. And she just, like, grabbed me by the lapels and yanked me in and, like, just planted a, like, beautiful, tender kiss. Because at that point, we'd actually been dating for a while, and we saw each other every day because um, it was a boarding school, and there was only, like, you know, 200 students. So it was a long time coming, and I think she was just thinking, look, goddammit, we got to get this over with because <laughs> – you're really dragging your feet here, yeah. and it was it was sweet and wonderful. I'll, I'll never forget. Awesome. It. Hopefully, my wife isn't hearing all of this and turning red. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually uh, brings us to our next guest. Uh, let's talk to Lito's wife right now. She's on the call. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I gotta say, my, I, I, I'm pretty sure my first kiss was probably like something awkward where like I I ran into a girl's lips somehow and was just like, was that it? I don't even was that was that the thing? I remember my first kiss with my wife, which was we had this wonderful date. We we I brought her over uh, and we and we watched the Notebook together. And at, oh. <laughs> I was like, D- girls like this one, so I'll just get this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, you know, chemistry was going and uh at the end of the night she you know she was she went to leave and uh the back door was stuck and she turned around uh to say hey can you help me with this door and ran right into my lips so (laughs) oh yeah that's cute uh that so i trapped her basically and i've trapped her ever since yeah yeah the first kiss (laughs) with my wife is was a surprise to me as well glad you clarified my your wife not my wife well I was going to get to that, but uh, it was New Year's Eve. I was bartending, and my wife, I, I knew her mom and her sister. I worked with her sister, but I hadn't met Kelsey yet. And she came in to visit her sister, sat at the bar, and I uh, threw myself at her all night. And then when midnight struck, she surprised me by reaching over the bar and kissing me. And I thought, this is going to be another notch on the old belt. And uh, (laughs) that belt is now choking uh, the life out of me. And uh, (laughs) And there's a baby hanging off of it, That's right. Wow. All right. There it is. All right. So we went through all that. This is great. We're, you know, we're sitting around the fire. We're sharing. We're toasting marshmallows. And uh, so I guess I guess the next topic is uh, what was the who was the first uh, girls who uh, whose whose neck you bit? Uh, oh, that's easy. <laughs> um, you had just mentioned your wife a moment oh, ago. Oh, God. Uh, I set myself up for that. But I'm done. You did. You did. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, uh, he then raised, uh, we, back to the movie, not to <laughs> stories about our wives. Um, uh, so Jerry raises his head and exposes the, uh, the classic vampire fangs and, uh, goes for the, uh, the ultimate kiss, but it, it's her shoulder. Like, it's so funny. I think to myself, why is, why, I mean, obviously it's not on the edge of the shoulder, but it is on the, it's definitely shoulder and not neck. And uh, I guess I never, it takes a minute by minute podcast to uh, get you to look at such, like pay attention to such minute things as that. But uh, I, perhaps, uh, you know, I guess you get your blood where you can get it. I don't, uh, I don't know, maybe it's <laughs> the way for the shot. Yeah, I think it's the shot, really. It's yeah. more yeah, about I the framing. Yeah, shot too. Yeah, because the blood, the two, the two little blood tendrils would run better separately on a shoulder than from the neck. Oh, so and it's so cool looking. Yeah, it is cool. Oh, such a great shot. Yeah. So you think he just kind of broke a couple of capsules in his mouth and it let it dribble out his mouth, or uh, there's some sort of like little hose sitting there at the top of her shoulder that we don't see. You know, looking at it, I, I never really thought it's of it so that way, perfect. but get. Now, knowing what I know about about uh, makeup effects, I'm guessing that they had to have a couple of hose. I'm, I'm betting they had a couple of tiny hoses that were rigged up just underneath his upper lip, and they just trickled out little tiny bits. Because I think with blood capsules, if if it was up to Chris to like control that, he has some damn good saliva control. Because like. I, I don't see how there's any way he could spit them out of separate sides of his mouth and make two individual. Like it would all come out in a streamy, icky mess. Right, so, yeah. but that's just my guess. I don't know. I mean, obviously Tom could tell you or Chris could tell you. Yeah, I I uh, I see. They definitely cut after the bite. They cut to oh yeah to see her face, and then we come back, and that's when we see he's already on the shoulder or neck, and uh, that's when the blood starts flowing. So they they definitely had a way to hook that up without. Um, yeah. yeah, there's cuts there. Yeah. Uh, I would agree that it's hoses. I, I don't think you could do capsules and control it so well. You'd be there all no. damn week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why didn't we just use a hose? Oh, my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's just so perfect. And they come down, they don't cross, you know. They go nope. one way and the other, and then there's a middle one that comes down. Really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script says her body arches, both arms pressing him to her, her body clinging to his, and then she screams, bucking under him like she's having something like a sexual climax. Only better, much better. <laughs> and just underneath her scream is this horrid, greedy, sucking noise. Jerry Dandridge feeding. Which, uh, wow. yeah. Well, it comes across. <laughs> yeah, I can, you can hear it. <laughs> yep. Thank God for sound bars. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, so yeah, what a perfect site. Uh, we have, uh, I have a little thing from uh, Deadly Magazine number 10. This is, I got a couple quotes here talking about this. Uh, this is Tom Holland. He says, uh, Jerry comes along and breaks through that innocence. That's what the whole bite on Amy's shoulder is. The blood that's trickling down her back represents the blood of the maiden as she transitions away from innocence. It's all about sensuality. It's about erotica. and It's about repression in the younger characters. So wow, Tom! Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. That is deep. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty awesome. And uh, Sarandon says, "I had this idea about having pictures of women from Jerry's past. I thought that would not only give Jerry a sense of history to him, but would also explain the attraction he has to Amy when he first meets her." 
That moment between them when Jerry bites her is much more than just about blood. It's also about a human connection that he longs for. Hmm. Wow. That's what the that's what the uh, professionals say about the scene. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, again, I love that 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 the actor, you know, thinks to bring these, you know, character bits and these character, you know, moments to it that gives you something more to it, subtext and and motivation and everything. It's it's one of the reasons why I fell in love with acting, you know, because you can bring these ideas and say, what if, you know, and if you're working with a good director, of course they say, oh my God, yeah, what a great thought, you know. Yeah, I I have to say one of the, you know, pulling the curtain back, one of the stupidest stupidest moments I had, I felt I had in listening back to the uh, Chris Sarandon interview we did was towards the end of the interview where I said something like, you know, what does Friday Night mean to you? And one of the things I I was like, okay, like I kind of set up the question as like a multiple choice. And the first choice was. You know, was it just kind of like a job to you? or And then he just completely cut me off and was like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, why did I say that? I'm a moron. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't a job. He did so much for this, this movie. Uh, so. <laughs> so. No, and if, and, and, and if you're an actor and someone comes to you, you know, and, you know, says we have this script and we thought of you and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that's. You know, it's such an honor for someone to say that. And it's such a dream that, of course, you know, there is a certain reverence that you bring to the material that makes you want to dig in even further. You know, I mean, most good actors, I think, would say, you know, I want to dig in anyway because it helps me become my character and it helps me flesh out my world and my story and my physicality and everything. But when someone comes to you, you know, saying we need you for this part or we want you for this part, it's like. Oh my God, of course. Yes. I'm going to treat this with the reverence that it deserves. So, you know, kudos. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, the, the scene kind of ends, we see the blood coming down. And I say the one thing that, that uh, sticks out to me that kind of bugs me is the fact that his ring is crooked. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's like they set up the shot and it's like, well, the ring's crooked. We're not going to get it looking that good again. You know, <laughs> I'm sure we're losing the light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. um, actually, in the I, I should mention that uh, you had so, had a revelation about the ring uh, uh, it, during yesterday's episode. But you mentioned uh, finding out a little bit more uh, before we started mm-hmm. recording. You want to tell the, our listeners and Len, who wasn't listening. <laughs> so it is a portion. Uh, I, I I texted David Woodruff just to be sure, and David's response was, "It's a portion of Bella Lugosi's Dracula crest, from what I can tell." That's that's what we used, and it was pretty spot on. So that was his answer. That was his definitive answer. And I actually I googled Bella Lugosi Dracula crest, um, and there's a few good pictures of it online. Um, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get the ring off of my shelf from the glass cabinet and hold it up and look at these photographs just to see exactly what David means in terms of. You know how much of it is used and how much is not used. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to have some uh, some googling to do. Oh, there's something. Yes. Uh, yeah, interesting. It, there is a Dracula crest, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in, in comparison, I don't know. Anyway, this is not good podcasting fodder, but uh, folks, you can look it up online to, to take a look. Uh, um, and uh, I think uh, that's really all we had for this minute. Um, there's just uh, there's some there's a lot of sucking. 
<laughs> and we're and we're out. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> but um, uh, is there anything more? I mean, anything more about the movie? Anything you wanted to mention before we uh, we say goodbye for the uh, for the night? Just that. I mean. It's interesting because one of the great things about being in L.A., you know, there's so many things that I love. But one of the great things about it is we have these wonderful um, theaters like the Arrow and the New Bev, which is Quentin Tarantino's theater, and the Egyptian and and uh, the Vista and the New Art. And there are all these places that they love showing old films and they show classics from, you know, the 30s onward. And Fright Night is one of those movies that they show at least once a year and every time I go back and watch this film I see something new whether it's performance wise whether it's a detail that I missed before a character moment or I'll hear something in the score that you know I didn't notice before and I think that's the sign of a really good film that ages well and I have never gone back to watch this film and say "Eh, this hasn't aged well like there are moments that are very, you know, indicative of the era that it was, you know, created in. Sure, the nightclub. But, <laughs> yes, yeah, fashion and, sure. you know, things like that. But it's still such a well-crafted story. And, again, <clears throat> the humanity in the characters and the fact that every character is so well-written, it's so well – every character is so well-defined, so well-portrayed, these actors – gave everything they had to the characters and they made them something that, you know, in the mid eighties, we're talking about, you know, in the middle of, you know, Freddy Krueger was just, you know, come to life the year before and Jason was in his heyday at that point in time. And, you know, we had the slasher craze and all that. There weren't a lot of horror films that really went to that length to make sure that these, that characters were likable and that you felt pity for every single character. Even Billy is horrible as he is, you know, the way he dies and the sounds he makes and everything, they could have just, you know, made him explode or whatever, but like there's real pain there. There's real tragedy, especially when you think about, you know, he was just doing what he thought was best. He was just serving his master and this guy that's given him immortality as far as he can tell. Like when you look at it from that standpoint of what Tom wrote and what he directed and what the characters, I'm sorry, the actors brought it. That's what I think makes it stand out. That's what makes it such a classic. It's just like child's play, <clears throat> not to get onto another film, but another film that Tom did that all the characters in there are people that you like or that you're root well except for like charles lee ray but you know (laughs) you you root for these people and you like them and you feel so bad for them and even the detective like chris sarandon's detective like he comes off as kind of cocky and disinterested but then he gradually comes around and you're like wow this guy's great because he believes and he's really going to bat for and he's you know looking out for the son alex and it's just it's it's there in this in the script for psycho 2 that i mean think about the script for psycho 2 you're taking one of the all-time baddies and yes they are giving him a backstory which i know a lot of people don't like but norman bates was always a tragic figure even in psycho what little we know about him that's a true tragedy that tale i mean it's horrifying tragedy but that character is trapped he is he is a victim of circumstances and genetics and environment, and, and you feel kind of bad for him. And then by the time you get to Psycho 2, you're like, oh, my God, I I feel so horrible for this character. Yeah. Between Anthony Perkins, between the writing, between the direction, between the score that Jerry Goldsmith wrote, this beautiful, tender, wonderful, haunted theme, like – 
there's something about Tom's work that makes all of these films so legendary and they live beyond their time and they don't really age because they have that humanity within them. It makes Fright Night one of the all-time greats, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. It's it's timeless. It's definitely one I look back on, and it it never gets old. It never gets old. <laughs> they're 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 just a handful from like the eighties and the seventies that you know stand the test of time. And uh, Friday Night is definitely one of them. And it's so much fun, you know. Yes. Ah, oh, wow. So uh, I guess we're gonna close off uh, this minute with you, Lido. Um, and we want to thank you uh, yeah, very man. much. It was some great conversations this week, and uh, and it's great to hear all about um, the work you've done. Um, and uh, just thank you so much for uh, joining us. Oh my guy, guys! Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. It's my honor. I, I love geeking out on horror and the things that I love, and especially when it's a film that's this dear to my heart. Like I said, *Fright Night* is the first horror film I ever saw in theaters, so it will always be extremely close to my heart. It's been a privilege. I am extremely honored. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Hey, we're just a couple of schmoes from Vermont, so. <laughs> no, hey, but but you you made this podcast happen. Like when people, you know, take the initiative to pay what I feel is due respect to the classics like this. To any time I'm asked to be involved with something like that, it is an honor. I, tr- I truly mean it. Awesome. Well, uh, for one more time this week, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at LitoVelasco23. You can find me on YouTube and on Twitter at HollywoodLito. You can find me on Facebook just by searching Lito Velasco and my artist public page will come up. And I really quick want to give a shout out to the woman who makes all things in my life possible and supports me no matter what. Jennifer, you are my timeless beauty. You are my my motivation. And I thank you for putting up with me when I lock myself in a room for two hours on a Friday night to talk about horror films. So thank you so much, sweetie. I love you. Yes. Shout out to Jennifer. We love you, Jennifer. Shout out to our wives. <laughs> Nah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, uh, Lito. I think we're going to uh, put a stake in this minute. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to FrightNightMinute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so 